It's The Adventures of Indiana Jim, episode 62, for October 24th, 2020. Coming to you not exactly live from... The Cliffs of Insanity! Where life is an adventure. And if adventure has a podcast, it must be Indiana Jim. Don't tell me you've never heard of me. I'll explain. And I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. Have you ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Yes. Morons. I have entertained in all the courts of Europe and speak a ready wit in their every tongue. I told you I was famous. And now, that intrepid arch-geekologist, Indiana Jim. You have chosen wisely. Too many people in tech are asking, how can we keep more people on our platform longer? And also a more insidious question, how do we make more people vote the way we think they should? But no one is asking, how can we make people more free? Hello, I'm Indiana Jim, and this is my a bugaboo this week. My the, the, the thing that's rattling around in my brain so I finally watched The Social Network, not The Social Network, I saw that years ago. I finally watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix, and my goodness, what a good film. You know, I don't want to spoil it, but basically it's, it features interviews with all of these people that used to work in tech, that were executives with Facebook and early investors in Facebook and um, early developers at Instagram and, and Twitter and all of the social platforms that, with which we're familiar, people who even worked at Google, getting past whatever political bent you may have. When the people who used to work there don't even let their kids get on it, that should tell you something. That should tell you a lot of things. And... One of the people featured heavily in the documentary is the founder of the Center for Humane Technology, Tristan Harris. And you may have heard of Tristan Harris. He uh, was featured at TEDx Brussels with a presentation called Time Well Spent. He was featured on 60 Minutes, and he spoke at TED 2017. And if you go to Humane, Humane? <laughs> That's not how you say it. HumaneTech.com. One of their big keys is, of course, fixing the dialogue that we're having. And the film does a really good job of demonstrating how we are affected by the use of social media, how it can create that, uh, that dopamine hit, you know, that addiction that we get, that uh, the addiction to getting likes and getting positive comments, and also goes a little bit into how the algorithm was manipulated by foreign actors who are only interested in creating chaos in our public discourse and tried to create doubt and chaos about the 2016 election. And so the law of unintended consequences is kind of where I put this film, a lot of it, and kind of how it can be used purposely or unintentionally to manipulate our behavior. And Jaron Lanier, who's considered the, the godfather of virtual reality, he 
features in this documentary as well. And he's very famous for uh, his book and his posts about deleting your social media account because of the way that these things use our information and our data to manipulate us. The idea is to get us to look at ads that are kind of in the realm of our interests so that we'll respond to those ads and act accordingly. And unfortunately, some of that advertisement delves into the political. And kind of the one of the other parts of the documentary goes into how we tend to get at each other's throats because the algorithm prioritizes engagement. And unfortunately, the big thing that gets the most engagement is negativity, is arguing, is um, this kind of at each other's throats uh, business. And so I encourage you to watch The Social Dilemma. It's probably, I mean, this isn't hyperbole to say, it's probably the most important film you're going to watch maybe ever. Um, and I think that, you know, I recognize the irony of, of having live tweeted a documentary about the dangers of social media. Uh, but I think it's very important to watch. And I think it behooves us all to make a decision on how we're going to use social media. And honestly, I think our goal should be to be more social in person. And I know that we're going through a, a pandemic right now, and some of that may be limited. But more direct contact, more face-to-face, -face, I think too many of us are, are more interested in just broadcasting our opinions without any actual dialogue. So anyway, very good film. You really should watch it. Uh, the dramatized bits are amazing uh, with the actors playing a family that's showing kind of the effects of social media and especially the young teenage girl in the family. So really, really go check it out. I, I definitely encourage you to do that. That's enough about the social dilemma. We are having a tech episode today and something I thought was interesting um, Dr. Disrespect, the two-time streamer of the year um, and, and, and streaming personality. Uh, Dr. Disrespect is a character played by a guy named Guy Beam, B-E-A-H-M, um, who uh, has had, you know, has uh, dealt with some controversy uh, with some of his actions. He... Uh, at TwitchCon, uh, one TwitchCon, he uh, cheated on his wife, but he made restitution for that. In fact, you know, he took some time off from streaming. Uh, he repaired that relationship, and we should celebrate that. We should celebrate that somebody made a mistake and was able to make restitution, uh, and they are still together to this day. Uh, the other thing he did was when he was at another TwitchCon, maybe another TwitchCon or the same TwitchCon, I don't remember. He was banned temporarily by Twitch, suspended, uh, because he, t the guy that was with him had the camera, you know, followed him into the bathroom. They were trying to do something funny with it, uh, but turns out, according in California law, that's illegal, <laughs> and he wasn't prosecuted, and, and that and that should be key because, you know, people say, well, I don't want you know, I don't want to follow a guy who uh, videotape people in the bathroom. Well, that's it's not what he did, uh, you know. If he, if he actually violated someone, you know, violated someone, um, he would have been prosecuted for that. But he wasn't 
prosecuted for it. Why? You know, the video would have to be <laughs> very compromising for folks. Um, but that's not what he did. And so, you know, it's one thing, oh, he took videos and he videoed people that were in stalls or at the urinal, and that's not really what he did. Um, and so he gets this grief from people on Twitter who call him a piece of gosa and other vile things that they say about him because they don't know him as a person. Um, they just see, oh, Dr. Disrespect, he was the guy that got banned for streaming from a bathroom. What a dick, you know, like, if you don't know the story, if you don't know the details, yeah, he made a mistake, but he wasn't prosecuted for it. He was suspended from Twitch for a period of time, and it was over. And that that's how it should be. Did he do it again? No. He made a mistake. He didn't think about it. He paid a consequence, but he wasn't prosecuted. He could have been prosecuted. It is illegal, but... They didn't prosecute him for it. There must not have been anything to prosecute him for. So maybe he paid a fine in the state of California. I don't know. Um, and you say, well, a person who would take a camera into the bathroom, again, made a mistake. Like, oh, crap, I didn't even think about that. Duh. That'll never happen again. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference there. Um, so throwing this blanket label on somebody. Anyway. The, the whole reason I bring this up, I'm just irritated that people, you know, you may not like Doc's personality, uh, what he does on stream, how he behaves on stream, how he talks on stream. You may not like his, you know, 80s action star shtick, and that's fine. That, uh, you know, I don't care if you watch him, but let's at least deal in reality here. So he has, he's been partnered with Rogue Company. Uh, a game by, uh, I don't know, it's in the Epic Store. I forget the developer who makes it. Anyway, Rogue Company is a third-person shooter, a tactical shooter. And they, um, he used to be in game design. He he worked in community uh, for Activision. He worked in some game design, level design for Activision on um, uh, Advanced Warfare. And so he designed a map for Rogue Company. Um, that map is now in the game. It's the arena, you know, that he has in his uh, green screen effects on his stream. They actually put the front of this stadium in there, and it's got, a, a, you know, a couple statues of Doc. It's got some holograms of Doc. It's got murals of Doc. Like, it's all docked out, right? And they even gave a, a character skin to him. He went and mo-capped a character skin, um, I think he mo-capped it, uh, at least for the at least for the model, the character model. He modeled it at least, um, and did voiceovers for it. So uh, whatever character you are in the arena, he's the voiceover for you know, uh, attack the objective, you know that kind of thing. And he's also got voice lines for the for the character for emotes and stuff. And they also put his dance in there, this goofy dance that he does on stream. And so when you're playing. As Doc in the arena on Twitch, what's the implication there? Because now, if people want to Twitch Rogue Company, are you going to ban Rogue Company? Um, you know, Twitch's terms of service say, you know, if you're playing with a suspended streamer, you do your best to mute them and, and whatever. But now he's gone beyond streamer. 
and now he's a part of a game and his face, you know, Rogue Company doesn't get streamed a lot. It's not one of the top games that's being streamed on Twitch by any means, but there are people streaming Rogue Company on Twitch. And so therefore Dr. Disrespect is on Twitch inside of the game Rogue Company. So I just, I find it funny um, that, that here's Dr. Disrespect kind of taking his streamer act beyond just being a streamer into actual game spaces kind of like you know ninja has a skin in Fortnite, and he was able to through you know his charitable donations earned a skin inside um that goofy rubber owl game with facial among us no not him hey you know what i you know what i mean (laughs) fall guys that's it um so and that kind of opens up the possibility of other streamers with a strong brand you know getting involved now we hear that there's a potential that he um and he said this he was interviewed somewhere on stage in like 2017 talking about when he was first or 2018 when he's first approached by uh, uh cyberpunk people project red or cd project red and he talked about you know we talked a little bit and we might do you know some dlc or a level design or something and so now he tweeted something recently about wait till you see what we have in store with regard to Cyberpunk 2077. And this was, you know, a story came out talking about how Cyber this is from Game Rant, which is a sister to Screen Rant, which is usually full of crap. Uh, <laughs> but Game Rant, their headline was Dr. Disrespect could be featured in Cyberpunk 2077. You would not believe the disgusting vile garbage that I read in the comments to that story. The people that, oh, I hope he's an NPC we can kill. Like, really? You hate someone you don't even know that much that you want to vicariously cause them harm? You're sick. That is sick. Disgusting. And just unconscionable to me. I don't, I don't even understand. I don't understand it that you can hate a guy that much who you don't even know who you only know. Oh, he did this thing that was bad. You know, it's just like when Twitch banned him and everybody was speculating on the, the, you know, the most horrible things they could imagine. You know, who did he bury in his basement? You know, who did he kill? Who did he sleep with this time? It's like, man, it just disgusting. Anyway, so well, Game Rant puts it out that it may feature Dr. Disrespect, and people are like, I'm not going to buy the game if he... Again, <laughs> you're looking at like probably a rogue company situation. You're not going to design a game around Dr. Disrespect unless you're doing a Dr. Disrespect game on purpose. Cyberpunk 2077... They know that this, you know, they're they're putting out a serious game with a serious story. Doc's not even gonna, he's not gonna be a side quest character. He's not gonna be, you know, he might have a skin. He might appear as a streamer in the universe, you know, this kind of thing. He might just design a level. Okay, you don't know what it is, and people just lost their minds. So, anyway. I can imagine that Cyberpunk 2077, this popular game, if they have any kind of Dr. Disrespect content, what's Twitch going to do when that shows up? 
You know, because you know people on Twitch are just going to be streaming the doc parts just to stick it to Twitch. Um, I mean, if I was still streaming on Twitch, I would be, you know, all arena all the time, docking your face. <laughs> just because Twitch is stupid. And the other thing about Twitch is all the stupid D DMCA garbage. I think this was just a ploy to uh, reduce their server load. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I think Twitch did this just so they could clear the servers because stuff was getting a little full. Getting rid of a lot of archive content saves a lot of space on your servers. That's why, that's why I think Twitch did the whole DMCA thing. Um, so, you know, I don't think it has anything to do. And, and they violated their own terms of service. They said, you know, you'll have the opportunity to counterclaim. Well, you can't counterclaim if your content has just been summarily deleted. Uh, I and mean, Twitch is getting some bad PR right now because of the way they're behaving and the way they're treating their streamers. And they did this right after they got Ninja back. As soon as they got Shroud back, as soon as they get Ninja back, it's like, okay, put the hammer down. You know, we got our, we got our people. Let's, you know, and it's just like, you're going to be driving more people away for giving false DMCA strikes or whatever. Because you're paranoid? Because you're worried? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why they're doing it. All right. So we talked about the social dilemma. We talked about Twitch and Dr. Disrespect. And now we're going to discuss Apple. Now, here's the problem. Since Steve Jobs left... There's nowhere, there's no one in there with an imagination that challenges the status quo. You know, Steve Jobs was kind of a jerk. Well, he was really, really a jerk to a lot of people. Um, was, you know, not very nice to people. He was very insensitive with a lot of the things he said. Um, he was, a, you know, he was up and down. He, he, he either loved you or you were a piece of gosa, you know, to him. Uh, and that could change, you know. So there's a lot of people who Steve Jobs rubbed the wrong way. But see, that's the thing about an iconoclast who doesn't care what you think. Is yeah, sometimes he's going to rub you the wrong way and he's going to say something you don't like because he, he doesn't care what you think. But he's also going to come up with ideas that go beyond what you're currently doing because he doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care about conventional thinking. He doesn't care about doing what everyone else is doing. And since Steve Jobs died, Apple has not come out with anything revolutionary or even surprising. They've come out with some stuff that's nice. The technology that exists advances and gets stronger. But where's the new technology? Where's the new thing? And Steve Jobs, not everything he touched was gold. You know, he put out some ideas that weren't great. That's that's how that works. That's you test, you iterate, you throw things out there, you take risks. And so I watched the iPhone 12 uh, thing uh, presentation, and it wasn't any different than last time, except it wasn't live on a stage. I mean, Tim Cook is not Steve Jobs. He's nice. He's a good, he's a smart man. He's a, he's good at running Apple, 
but Apple's just playing on its current market share. They're not doing anything revolutionary. So uh, the first thing I noticed was when they were talking about Siri. Oh, we've upgraded Siri. And Siri is already the most highly used virtual assistant, yada, yada, blah, 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 blah. And honestly, I don't know who they think they're fooling. Because I know from use that Siri's answer to everything is, here's what I found on the web. 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 That, that's it. That's the answer. <laughs> you know, these commercials that make, you know, Alexa and Siri look smart, they're not really that smart. They don't really answer the question in the con. You know, it might be like, hey, Siri, what temperature does water boil at? Water, the boiling point of water is 100 and blah, whatever, whatever it is. I don't even know. If it's something like a simple fact like that, maybe it's fine. Uh, but it's just not, it's just not impressive. It's not impressive at all. Um, you know, it might be a shortcut to running a Google search, but that's pretty much what it is. You still got to pick up your phone and go look at it. Um, and, and one of the, you know, people in the, in the commercial, I call it a glorified, it's just a glorified commercial. One of the people in the presentation said, talked about iPhone 12's stunning new design. And it's like, no, it's, how about unsurprising? Wasn't it like the iPhone 8 that sort of had that, you know, the sharp corner kind of look? Um, that's just, I mean, this isn't new. This is nothing new. And, and you, they do the close-up, high-res, super shadowy, turning, reflective phone reveal thing. And it's like, I've seen this before. And, and they said, you know, we obsess, at Apple, we obsess over making your display impeccable. So why do you still have a notch? Why? Just make it go all the way across. Why do you have a notch? The, the notch, it's, you still have a notch. So say iPhone 10, and then the 11, and now the 12. You've not changed it. In all this time... You've not done any research to figure out how to make it smaller or, or altogether unnecessary. Other phones don't have notches. Why do you? Um, and then I was listening to the whole thing about 5G and, and Apple's use of 5G and how it works with 5G. And if it, if it is that good, it was like, you know, full gigabit or whatever, then I'm just going to connect my PlayStation to the, uh, to the, uh, whatchamacallit, hotspot of my phone because that's better than the internet that's coming into my house. Um, here's another thing. They use the word computational a lot. And, and I feel like they think that if they add the word computational to some normal term, that that makes it better. Like, oh, App, the iPhone 12 features computational photography. Really? Because what it was doing before wasn't computing? Like, ever since the smartphone, everything it does is computational. It's just, what a dumb word. What a stupid word to pick. Computational. That's supposed to make it cool? Like, that's supposed to make it sound impressive? And, and oh, yeah, if I cared about photography... I would probably try to get an iPhone 12 because the camera stuff looks really cool and the camera stuff keeps getting very, you know, a lot better. So, but I don't, I don't want a camera. I, 
I don't really use it as a camera that much. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just going to wait for something truly impressive. Like, oh, well, let's take the, okay, here's the iPhone 12 Pro. We now get to the iPhone 12 Pro. Let's look at it. Oh, it looks just like the uh, iPhone 11 Pro with the three lenses. What will they think up next? Like, it's the same design. It doesn't, it's not any different. Then they talked about the screen. You know, oh, you know, it's grown 4.7 inches over the 4.5-inch screen size of the iPhone 11. Oh, I can't wait to get that extra 0.2 inches. That's what she said. Like, great. Thanks for the extra 0.2. Like, that's supposed to make a big difference, you know? It just uh. so they make the big pitch to the church of the environment talking about how much little uh, carbon they're going to be emitting and we're going to be a carbon neutral company right we've taken stuff out of the box to make the packaging smaller you already have a charging brick you already have the usb cable we're not even going to include headphones everyone's already got headphones well, okay, they do include a charging cable, right? But then they immediately talk about this new cable, USB-C to Lightning. Now, I know USB-C is like they're trying to go to the new standard of USB-C, uh, but who has a brick <clears throat> with a USB-C port on it? You're going to need another adapter and you defeat the whole purpose. We're not, we don't want to make as much stuff because we're going to be carbon neutral, but then you totally change the cable, which causes third party vendors to emit more carbon. Do, you, do they even, I mean, like anybody with a brain can watch that and go, I mean, it's like immediately afterwards. Oh, by the way, the adapter's new. Oh, you know, the cable's new. Like, <laughs> Not everybody has a USB-C port on their computer, and not everybody wants to just charge their phone on their computer. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And I'm trying to remember the other dumb thing that Apple did, but I can't think of it right now. I know that Rich at Review Tech USA on YouTube, uh, I know that he did a video uh, about it, uh, about the two dumb things, and that was one of them. Um <laughs> causing people to need a new adapter right after talking about, you know, less junk in your box. That that didn't come out right. Okay, well, I have said a mouthful in this episode, and I'm not sure I did anything great for you guys. I ranted quite a bit, and I just would love to uh, get your emails and your, your comments from you. Um, so you can tweet at me on social media at Indiana Jim, and you can send me an email at podcast at adventures of Indiana Jim.net. I'm going to be talking about Patrick Rothfuss next week and, um, watching him struggle to get the third book out, um, in his series. And, and we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about it from the standpoint of how I would coach somebody going through the things that Patrick Rothfuss is going through. Um, not going to use it as an opportunity to bash Patrick Rothfuss, uh, because I don't think he needs the bashing. Uh, but I do think he tends to sometimes make some excuses. 
Um, and and I want to approach it from the standpoint of if I you know if I ever get as big as Pat Rothfuss, what what do I not want to do? What do I want to make sure as a cautionary tale? What am I looking out for? Uh, because I really like Pat Rothfuss. I think he's a, a genuine good soul um, and does a lot for charity. And you know I, I'm not going to sit here and, and bash the guy. I don't want it's not going to be a bash session. So it's going to be try to try to help session. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to try to help other authors uh, learn something from what he's gone through and is going through and what we are going through as an audience. Um, You should always be aware of what your audience is thinking. So anyway, uh, thanks very much for listening. This has gone long enough and I will see you next time or I will talk to you next time because I won't actually see you because this is an audio medium. Bye. You've been listening to The Adventures of Indiana Jim, a production of Visionary Creative Works. Visit adventuresofindianajim.net and join the adventure.